Hi, everyone, and welcome to another Let's Meet for a Beer podcast. Today, I sit down with Matt Phillips, owner and chef at Northern Chicken in Edmonton, Alberta. Matt is a passionate chef who wears his heart on his sleeve. We talk about his journey to become one of Edmonton's most well-known chefs, why he has such a passion for the craft beer community, and how he is trying to bring awareness to the mental health challenges in the restaurant industry today. Matt is an amazing person, and I hope you enjoy the conversation. Welcome back to another Let's Meet for a Beer podcast. Today, I am with Matt Phillips. Matt is the owner and the chef at Northern Chicken in Edmonton, Alberta. How are you doing, Matt? Good. How about you? Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate that. I was just telling you, this is the first time I've ever taken all of my podcast gear and uh, done it on location. So if anyone hears noise in the background, his team is busy getting ready for the day. Should be another busy day, I'm sure. Yeah, I hope so. So, Wednesdays are usually pretty good. So Are they good? Yeah. Yesterday you said you got slammed. There was an Oilers game last night. Yeah, so. there was an Oilers game, early game at 7, and it just, we got smoked. It was great. <laughs> All good. The restaurant's name is Northern Chicken. Where does the name come from? Andrew and I decided to open a fried chicken restaurant. You know, we're sort of in the early planning of it, and we met for craft or at craft for brunch and some beers and just batted around a bunch of names and sort of had a phone and a computer open in front of us and just looked for what's trademarked and what wasn't. And I don't know, we sort of, the plan was to do a Southern like Nashville style fried chicken place, but use Canadian ingredients. And it just sort of made sense to throw Northern chicken at the wall and see how it went. And we asked some people what they thought of the name and people really took to it and we decided to just run with it. Nice. So what would you say the concept of the restaurant is? Nashville hot chicken, bourbon, beer, and hip hop. Just a place to have fun. And when a guest comes in, what is kind of the ideal experience that you want them to have when they come in? Eat Dorito mac and cheese, some hot chicken, try to stay in that world, have a great craft beer, listen to some amazing music, and then just just have a fun, exciting experience where it's a little off the cuff, a little bit edgy, and they just have a good time and enjoy some food and do whatever they want. Cool. One of the things that you had written down that I really liked is you're talking about authenticity and you said, we know who we are and we stick to it. So how would you describe yourself? Who are you? To be honest, we're a little bit of a dick. Like we both come out of fine dining and most of our staff comes out of fine dining and we really just hated that world. We hated the pretentiousness that came with it. We hated the fact that we couldn't afford to eat in the restaurants we were working at. We couldn't afford to do anything. And just the fact that no one really stood by their guns and said, this is what we're going to do. This is the food we're going to serve. This is the the drinks we're going to do. And everybody tried to appeal to everybody. And that's, I don't think that's a business success model. I think you can narrow in on a niche, go after it, really put your all into it and, and succeed. You know, we're, we're hip hop. We're edgy. We frankly don't give a fuck. We put swears in the names of our dishes. You know, this is living exactly like what my house sort of looks like. Like, that's what we wanted. We listen to the music that we want to listen to. We serve the food we want to serve. And I think that that comes off really well to some people. I walked in and you were playing Metallica. So, I mean, <laughs> that's a pretty good uh, pretty good album to uh, yep. wake up and, and come to work to. So Yeah, and Wu-Tang Wednesday is about to start. Wu-Tang Wednesday. Sweet. So, being a chef, how long have you been in the industry for? 16 and a half years. It's a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's, uh, it's been a grind. 
you mentioned that you know a lot of the stuff you've done in the past you you've hated do you look back at one of the jobs and you know do you have a favorite in that though I definitely take positives out of everything I did like I yeah. worked for I worked for the Joey company for almost eight years you know can't say I loved the food I was doing but they taught me so much about business so much about people management so much about organization and just efficiency and how to be a really efficient cook how to do huge volumes you know, it's it's pretty rare that you run into cooks that have repeatedly done 500, 600 covers a day over and over and over again for seven years. So I really value that. Century Hospitality Group taught me how to be creative, taught how to make things from scratch, which is our huge passion here. With the exception of the bread, the macaroni, and the Doritos, we literally make the mayo to the hot sauce to everything from scratch. We butcher all our chickens. We process all our vegetables. And it taught me all those those skills that you need, plus gave me a huge creative canvas, I guess, to create menus and do off-menu dinners and that kind of stuff, which has played out here that Andrew and I do an off-menu dinner a week, which is super fun and allows us to still make the food from fine dining, but do it in an atmosphere that's like this. Yeah, well, we had talked just briefly before we started the podcast here. You, at one point, were going to school. You're in political science. You were, I guess, thinking about becoming a lawyer someday. Yeah. And then you you get into this industry. What attracted you to the point where you you kind of changed career paths? Like, what, what about it do you really love about it? Originally, it was the adrenaline rush. That adrenaline rush of cooking for 500 people and just constantly being pushed to the edge for the four or five hour period that, that the rush lasted the camaraderie amongst the, the staff members and just the lifestyle in general. And there's a little bit of much useful, I guess, in there that I'm not necessarily from my background didn't really have. And it was sort of intriguing to me for a little while. Definitely have moved away from that now. But, you know, just the cook lifestyle and, and that in general was really, really fun. And it was something totally different. Like my background is all in academic work. And I did that growing up. My parents are both academics. So this was really just a complete change from everything I'd ever done before. What would you say overall is the biggest challenge with being a chef? Or do you have, you know, one or two things that you you kind of look at and be like, if I could avoid doing that stuff, it's unavoidable, but uh, I, 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 I don't look forward to it. What I'm struggling with now and have struggled with my whole career is, is just sort of accepting that that shit happens that everyone makes mistakes and that you need to learn from the mistakes and that, you know, inevitably, no matter how good your team is or no matter how good you are, you're going to put up a bad dish or you're going to make a poor decision and not letting that ruin your day, your week, your career. Just sort of continuing on and realizing that mistakes happen and they're part of the process and that I think every industry has situations where people screw up. And I think it's just a little bit more immediate in the restaurant industry. You find out pretty fast. You know, we're all passionate people and it's hard to to make those mistakes, but learning from them is is very key. The other one is to not make it your life. You know, chefs specifically have a a problem with making being a chef is is their personality and that's everything about them. And that can be a, a lonely and know a challenging existence if you don't keep some passions outside of this and something that i'm learning as i get a little bit older is that i don't really have any passion outside of the kitchen at the moment so 
trying to find some other things that are not restaurant related and exercise or painting or I don't know. I don't do either of those things very well, but <laughs> hypothetically, you know, hypothetically yeah. keeping something that's not work yeah. uh, as part of your life. I was saying to you earlier, I follow you on social media. You talk a lot about being authentic and that really comes out, you know, in a lot of the posts that you have on social media. I would say you wear your heart on your sleeve from a business perspective. Do you guys have a social media strategy? No. <laughs> Maybe that is your strategy. Yeah, um, probably should. Uh, <laughs> I just, you know, I run our social media account and sometimes I do a pretty good job. Sometimes I don't. But, you know, I, I guess it's just back to that authenticity. Like it's it's run by us. It's the kind of post that we want to put up. And it's really what I'm feeling at the moment. And I think there's definitely some room to improve on that and try to get it so we we have a little bit more of a plan and some consistent posting and that kind of stuff. But I also think it's a little endearing that we just sort of do what we do. And I agree. Like, it's nice to have kind of a plan in general, but if it's too planned out, it just doesn't come across as real. You oh, know, I totally agree. There's specifically restaurants and stuff that you can just tell that they planned that a month ago and they put it into Hootsuite and it's just mm. formulaic broadcasting at the world and it's yeah. not engagement and it's not trying to cause a conversation or cause some shit and and see where it goes yeah do you have a do you have a favorite platform on social media like so twitter facebook um personally it's twitter yeah um our best engagement for them in the restaurant is definitely instagram our food photographs really well beer photographs really well you yeah you get great cans you get great people that kind of stuff personally though my outlet is is twitter and i definitely speak my mind and wear my heart on my sleeve like you said a little bit too much on twitter maybe but i like it i mean honestly like when i think of restaurants in edmonton that really support the craft beer industry and are just doing something genuine and, and out there i mean you guys always come to mind so based on that why have you guys become such strong advocates, I guess, is maybe the right word for the craft beer industry? A couple fold. One, Andrew and I like to drink good beer. Both of us have been pretty passionate about maybe not craft for a long period of time, but good beer. I started drinking Stiegel and some beers like that when I was 19 and 20. I just have been lucky that Sherbrooke's always been accessible and I've always sort of had someone in my social circle that could introduce me to interesting for years, European beers and then into to American craft and then Canadian craft. And the other one for me was just the community. I, I love the people that are involved in the craft beer community. I think they're genuinely awesome people. I think there's a, a sense of maybe not... It's not competition. It's it's the fact that a rising tide is going to rise all boats. Yeah. And I think that so many people that are involved in the community, yeah, they're competing with each other, but they like each other. They do stuff together. I've never seen it in any other business I've been involved in. No chefs, we hang out, but you know, there's still always a little bit of like competition there. Always a little bit of, well, I did 600 covers last night, or I'm doing this and... I don't get that out of the craft beer community. I get like, just a real sense that people like each other and want everybody to succeed. You see people drinking everybody's beer. You see people pushing everybody else's beer. It's, you know, 
the beer reps in Edmonton meet for breakfast on Friday mornings and just support each other and hang out and are there for each other. And I think that's absolutely incredible. So that's really pushed why we become such big advocates is that we like the people that are involved and we want to support them. Every time I see a, a brewer or someone from a brewery come up to Edmonton for meetings or whatever, I always see on posts that they're stopping at Northern Chicken for lunch or something like that. The the small brewers, they really give a shit about what they do. I think you guys give a shit about what you do. And I think those two things kind of attract each other. Yeah. And I think there's, you know, beer is one of those things that freshness and locality really, really has a huge impact. Mm. Spirits, even some food products, not so much. Like you're not really going to tell a chicken from BC versus a chicken from Southern Alberta or some stuff like that. The give a shit is definitely a big part, but there's also just something to be said for local and fresh. The fact that something's coming off a canning line in South Edmonton yesterday and in my beer cooler the next day, that's probably the best that product's going to get. Yeah. So when I look at, you know, running a restaurant, obviously you're dealing with staff, you're ordering product, you're trying to figure out food costs, all that sort of stuff. How do you do it from a, from a mental and physical perspective? Like, I guess what I what I want to get at is, you know, there's there's young guys that are just starting restaurants and, you know, it can be overwhelming. Is there any advice that you have for for guys like that starting out that that can kind of just keep things in perspective? Get a partner. Yeah. Or a great staff. We're I'm lucky that I have two amazing partners, a great staff that can take stuff off your plate. Um, delegation is is key. I think uh, a lot of people think specifically in this industry that you got to be the rock star chef that does everything yourself and you can't, it's, it's not possible. We're in the process of starting a charity called in the weeds. First event was on Monday night and there's the guys from Chartier, Sylvia and Darren and Steve Brochu from Milk Crate, Paul Schufelt from Workshop, Andrew and I, Alan from Loudmouth Media and Deb Cotley are in the process of trying to go after mental health in kitchens. And the first event on Monday night, one of the speakers said something that really resonated with me, <laughs> which I can't say I do right now, but it's something I'm going to really start starting this week is be present in what you're doing. She said the work-life balance is absolute bullshit. It's not going to exist. So instead of worrying about trying to balance that, worry about if you're at work, be at work. If you're at home, be at home. Don't try to be 90% one place, 10% the other, and really just focus your energy on whatever you're doing at the time and make sure that you're making an impact. Uh, That's something that I've always, since I was just a sous chef at Joey's, was to come into work and every day at the end of it say, did I make an impact on something? And as long as you're pushing the business forward every day, I think you're doing good things. Now, there's obviously the list and the goal making and all the stuff that every successful business says. But you can read those in any business book. Right. So on mental health, because I think that's something that just needs to get talked about, you know, more and more, right? Do you think that in the kitchen um, at restaurants, is that something that's more important to discuss than in other forums? Like, do you see, do you see that? Do you see issues, I guess, that need to be addressed? Say, oh, yeah. Say back of house versus front of house. Is, is there a difference? I don't. I don't think that there's a huge difference between those two. I think there's maybe a little bit more of that macho culture in the back, but I think that's disappearing with the generation of cooks that's coming up and the just general mentality right now. You don't have a lot of guys that are 
that suck it up mentality anymore in the new generation of cooks, any more different than you do in, in the front. But I think just in restaurants in general, that it's a very high stress environment, front, back, you know, you're always on display. Customers, for lack of a better way to put it, don't give a shit what happened to you before work. They're here to get an experience. And, you know, that's sort of the mentality that most people have to bring to it is that you can't bring your crap from home to work. And that sucks. That means that you're putting all of that in the back of your mind or you're hiding it. And then you also add the accessibility of alcohol, the fact that you're constantly providing people having a good time. So it's super easy to fall into that trap of, well, I got to have a good time too. And I think that this industry just attracts people a little bit that are on the edge already. They thrive on that stress. They thrive on the party. And I think it just needs to be addressed. So in the weeds is the charity that you guys are starting. Yeah. What's the mandate with that? The long-term mandate is to provide funds to get cooks, servers, and other people involved in the hospitality industry into therapy and um, rehab programs and provide whatever financial supports we can do as part of it. And then the other side of it would be to bring mental health awareness and processes and resources to management to introduce into your businesses. The first event that we had yesterday was, or on Monday was really about trying to show people why you'd want to support positive mental health culture in your restaurant, why a benefit package would be good, why having a coach come in and speak to your people about stress management would increase productivity, increase happiness. And I remember at Joey's, we talked extensively about the process of making a good hire, about how roughly the hiring process and training process takes about 2500 bucks. So if you think about just that fact alone, like you're hiring these people, you get them into your restaurant. If you're not supporting their mental health and keeping them in a position where they want to be at work, you're turning over your staff, 2,500 bucks a person in a restaurant that has 30 employees, that adds up pretty fast. That's just, that's a pretty cold way to think about it. But I think it's just a super important way for people to, to take care of their staff and We really pushed it here. We introduced benefits right off the bat. We really have an open door policy with all our people. It's discussed a lot in this this restaurant. And I think it's built a culture where people are okay with talking about it. Something you said earlier was, you know, working at restaurants where, you know, you can't afford to eat there. And so there's obviously the disconnect between the people that are working there and the people that are, are dining there. So it seems like you have more of an inclusive concept where it's like, you know, you want the people to feel, you know, comfortable. They can afford to eat here. You know, they have the benefits from a mental health perspective, just talking about it and and knowing that you can talk about it is so important too. Yeah. And that's, you know, we, we try to check in on all of our staff as much as possible. And I think, you know, it's, it's easy to check in on the staff that are obviously suffering. It's harder for us to check in on the staff that aren't. That's something that both Andrew and I have on our radar a little bit more right now is that we've probably not checked in on some of the strong stuff because they've never shown any signs of it. But, you know, that open door policy and the fact that Andrew and I share our mental health struggles so openly has provided that I know a lot about all of our staff now. I know what they're struggling with, or at least I think I do. And I think it allows us to try to provide some help. Right. You know, we built a, a big psychology proponent into our benefit package. We've offered to pay for therapy out of pocket for people. I, I think it's super important. I think it's going to go a long way into to stopping some future problems. 
And that's the key. I was talking to a Natasha. She's a brewer the other day. We were talking about mental health. And one of the things is, you know, I can say, you know, you can always come and talk to me, but I'm not, I can't help in a lot of these things. So the idea of like, you know, helping them get the experts that they, that they need to be in touch with and, and get that help. Because sometimes just sitting there and being an ear, that's as much as that's important, it's not enough, right? Yeah. That's another thing from Monday night that super resonated with me was the moderator, Jalen Nye, asked a question about what you can do if you're starting to feel overwhelmed. And all three experts said, get them help. If you break your leg, I don't fix your leg. I get you to the hospital. So why are we trying to do anything different than that? Why don't we just get them to people who are trained in this? And this is, you know, crisis counseling or just general therapy is what they do for a living and what they're trained in. So why not just help people get to those steps? Yeah. And I think, you know, people think of physical health. Like you said, I break my leg, I go to the doctor, I get it fixed. It's all, it's all good. I think mental health, you know, like there is a stigma for a lot of people about it. And we just, we, the more we talk about it, hopefully that goes away because if you need help, you know, whether it's a broken leg, whether it's you need to talk through something, get the help you need and, and uh, that'll allow you to, you know, move on in life, hopefully, right? I agree. Hi, everybody. My name is Mark Kondrat. I'm the host of the Let's Meet for a Beer podcast. Each week, I have a conversation with community builders and entrepreneurs who have inspired me personally. For more information on this podcast, please visit letsmeetforabeer.com. And for information on other projects I'm working on, please visit albertabeerfestivals.com. Thanks again for your support. Remember to tune in next week for another Let's Meet for a Beer podcast. Oh,